Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Ben Worthen. Ben is the CEO of Message Lab, an award-winning agency that helps organizations get results by bringing stories to life. Through leveraging journalism, data, and design, Message Lab has created eye-catching content that has helped organizations connect with their consumers, such as Facebook, Forbes, Airbnb, and Silicon Valley Bank. With their success, they've received seven content marketing awards in just the last two years alone. Before joining Message Lab, Ben was the head of content at Sequoia Capital, a venture capital firm that backed Google, Apple, and more, as well as a reporter at the Wall Street Journal, where he crafted stories covering tech industry. Today, Ben and I will be chatting about creating branded content through using journalism to focus on engagement and education by creating content that's actually interesting and leveraging SEO as well as social targeting to drive the ROI metrics you, as a brand marketer, are seeking. We'll learn what works from Ben's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses miss the mark along the way. Ben, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you, Stacey. Happy to be here. Well, Ben, I always love starting off by having you deep dive on how did you get here today? I highlighted some of your career you know, steps along the way, but you are now this content marketer. You have been a content marketer since your days as a reporter. What drove this, and, and how did you end up here? Yeah, thanks. So, you know, going back to before I even knew what the term content marketing was, I actually really distinctly remember the first time someone told me that term when I was thinking about leaving journalism for the first time. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing now. Um, but, you know, going back a little bit, I was, as you mentioned, I was a reporter at the Wall Street Journal. And for me, that was my, you know, formative learning about how to tell a story and how to tell it well. And I'll confess you know, as a reporter, you're oftentimes talking to marketers, you're oftentimes hearing, you know, marketers put forward their version of the story. And most of the time, I felt like, oh, man, that sounds like BS. And I didn't find it very engaging. I didn't find it very interesting. And, and so when I had the opportunity to begin to transition into the marketing side myself, I still felt like, gosh, we can tell stories better. There's a lot of things that we can borrow from the world of journalism in terms of, you know, thinking and empathy for the person who's going to read your content, the techniques that you use in terms of structuring a story and telling it, finding it, determining what's interesting and giving that to people. And, and what happened over the course of my career in marketing, this is now the last act of my life, the last seven or eight years, was I gained a lot of appreciation for the rigor that went into marketing, the thoughtfulness that went into a lot of the things that were then presented to me as a reporter when I was having those kind of snippy, snipey reactions. Um, but I still felt as though so much of marketing is inside focusing. It's looking at yourself. It's talking about yourself. Um, you know, the instinct for most companies very naturally is to talk about their product. And when they don't talk about their product, they oftentimes talk about themselves, just not their product. Uh, and, and it's like they're the annoying person at the party who you know just won't stop talking about themselves. The 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 thing that I felt I've been able to do, you know, again drawing on those lessons from the from the newsroom was to turn that around and try to say, okay, well, how do you how do you think about the things that people your customers care about? 
Um, you know, and, and the reality is that most of the time, most people aren't thinking about products. Most of the time, most people don't want to buy something. They just want to be informed. They want to be entertained. They want to be engaged. Sometimes it's like you're just waiting for the bus and you're on your phone and you just want to have a moment of levity. Sometimes you have a problem and you just want to type something into Google and find something that's relevant to you. And, and when you're in one of those moments where you want to buy, you know, when you're thinking about a purchase um, or you have a problem that can be solved by a product, then like, yes, the number one thing that you want is information about a product. But, but most of the time, I don't think most people feel that way. So, you know, what I've tried to do at various points in my career is work with people to figure out, okay, well, how can we take all of the good marketing stuff that we're doing now and layer on top of that, uh, you know, a, a another level above the top of funnel even, which is just idea focused content or engagement based content where, the, where you're doing something because there's so many non-sales moments where you have an opportunity to have a meaningful engagement with someone and you can make something to put into those moments and share it with them where your worldview and their worldview are aligned and you can make an impression on someone and, and, you know, and have some sort of, you know, build an impression, help change their mind to get them to think one way about you, which isn't going to result in a sale in the moment. Most likely not, you know, very few people um, are going to, you know, read some cool B2B business advice, for instance, and then click on the link to buy a million dollars worth of software, right? Like people don't do that. Uh, or, you know, you mentioned Airbnb, you know, they're another great example where, you know, the moments in time in which I'm thinking about travel, you know, vastly exceed the number of instances where I'm going on vacation. So, you know, there's all kinds of moments where you could just engage me around some cool travel thing. And, and it's not bad because I didn't click buy now. It just means that like, I don't have a vacation plan right now. So, so going through and working with our clients to try to figure out how can we add that layer on top of sort of what's been the journey of my career. And then I would say more recently over the last five years, then what, uh, you know, to what end? Because increasingly with marketing, um, making something that the internal team feels really good about isn't enough. You have to be able to show results. You have to be able to have some sort of impact, especially as performance marketing becomes the prevailing trend with trade wind, everything is measurable everything is quantifiable. If this isn't designed to lead to a sale, what is it supposed to do and what is its value? And that's been a big part of the thing that we as Message Lab, Message Lab have been trying to answer. Yeah, and that's exactly what content marketing is supposed to do. I mean, it's not mm -hmm. supposed to slam you over the head. It's not supposed to be like brand, 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 brand. It's supposed to more so be about something that the brand is able to help shape and present mm -hmm. and share and inform and educate and provide value. Yeah, right, exactly. And and provide value is the thing that we latch onto really hard. And I think the first thing that we can do when we engage with someone is just help bring that outside perspective of like, okay, well, you know, what's gonna be valuable to the to your audience, to your reader? If we stop thinking about people from a sales persona standpoint and thinking about them as a reader, you know, what are the problems that they have and how can we use content, you know, how can we make stuff that helps them there? Um, you know, one of, one of the exercises, one of the metaphors that we like to use is this concept of an idea store. Um, you know, you have your store of your products and it's great. That's what people go to, they buy stuff from you. But if you had a metaphorical store of ideas, what would be in it? You know, what would you put on the shelves? What would the store look like? What would the experience be? And then how can we populate that store with the goal of making people repeat customers of your ideas? You know, how do we get them to come back, engage again and engage again and engage again? And so when you're starting to work with a brand, mm -hmm. what is the first step? It's not like we're going to create something of value for you. Right? So how do you approach 
getting the brand on board and getting them to understand what they need to actually dig in to pull out to share about their brand ethos versus just here's my brand, here's our tagline, and this is our messaging. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great question and, it's, and it sounds straightforward, but it can be really complicated. You know, I, I would say the first thing that we would need to get them to do, which has not been a problem in the last several years, I think we've noticed a real shift where, you know, two or three years ago, people were coming and they were saying, now we're trying to decide between doing content or billboards. How do we decide? You know, it's like, a, you know, I don't know, here's an apple and here's an orange, which do you like better? Um, you know, but, but I think, you know, we look at it as sort of layers of publishing maturity. And the first thing we want to do is just figure out where you are. And the, really the first thing that you have to be able to do is just like make stuff and get it out into the world. And, and, and that can be hard. It can be hard for a lot of reasons. But, but if you can't, you know, if you can't successfully make something and get it out into the world, then everything else doesn't really matter. You know, like it doesn't matter whether we're promoting it right or whether we're, you know, successfully, you know, correlating the data clicks onto content with some downstream thing, right? So, so that's the first thing that we want to help with. And our approach there is really, you know, increasingly because because there's so much content, you know, and, and if we're if we're being truthful, the world doesn't really need any more content, you know. Um, it, it needs though better content. It needs content that has a purpose. It needs content that's going to stand out for some reason. And so the first thing that we try to do is just look at where is there an opportunity. And for us, that exercise begins by looking at, you know, like what it, what is it that you believe? And usually this is just I me. Mean, that's a derivative exercise from your brand. You know, if you've done brand work, it's so much easier to figure out what is the editorial identity that can be a part of this. You know, if you were to try, if you were going to be, um, if we were going to be the journal of something, what would that be? Is sort of a thought experiment that we might do. Um, and from there, you know, we can work with trying to, depending on how much content you really want to make, we can figure out what kind of categories, what's your worldview and do an exercise like that. But, but I think that really only makes sense when you do it in parallel with a separate exercise that's looking at, you know, what is it that your customers or the people you're trying to reach, let's say, are interested in. Um, you know, what are the, what are the topics and issues that they care about? What are the things that they have and not from the, how does our product help them standpoint, but just as they live their lives, you know, um, what are the things that they care about? What are the things they might talk to a friend or a colleague about? And then on top of that, where's the opportunity? Because it's not really, it's, it's so hard to do the same thing as somebody else and try to make your version of the same thing, be better and different. And and how do you say it, which is what those first, you know, or what do you say rather, you know, which is what those first two things are really focused on, can only get you so far. How you say it is increasingly important. Um, and, and sometimes how you say it is, you know, the platform that you're going to use, you know, is it going to be, is it going to be a, a, a digital magazine? Is this going to be social? Um, how are you going to reach people? Is it going to be a podcast? Is it going to be a video? That kind of thing. Um, you know, how do we get it to people? Um, all of these questions end up coming in because it's only when you, sort of think that way, do you see, you know, like, you know, we, everybody has their favorite process diagrams and we have them too, but, you know, you kind of layer these little like reverse Venn diagram type things. And there's like a middle and, and once you kind of identify where that middle is, that's sort of where your opportunity is. And then you can go into a creative exercise of trying to figure out, okay, what are the stories we can tell? What is, what are the things that we can make that can fit in here? And then how do we bring those to life and reach people. But but again, just to, to sort of try to top it off, it's really thinking about, you know, what's your big idea? What are you about as a brand? Um, again, not product, but sort of your worldview and the culture problem, you know, the problem in culture, the problem in the world that you want to align yourself against. 
um, you know, where's the opportunity in terms of who, not just your direct competitors from a product standpoint, but the competitors for mindshare of the people that you're trying to reach, where's the opportunity there? And then what do they, what do those people want? You know, what do they need and what are the problems that they have? So to start off, you're working with brands who actually typically have established their why. They know what it is, or are you like, smiling? like anyone yeah, you who's not like, like watching this right now and you're listening, you've just seen his eyes light up and this big smile. And he's like, no way. They do not know their why. I'm going to tell you this right now. The biggest brands in the world sometimes don't know their why, which is true, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and in fact, you know, I almost think that it's sometimes inversely proportional to how big you are as how well you know it. You know, if you're two people who just started a company, you probably know your why even better than you know your what, you know, because something caused you to, to start that company. And you're probably more passionate product at this point. And then you get to the point where your company is 100,000 people and nobody remembers why it exists. Um, and, and you know what you do, you know what your product is, but it's hard, you know, to, to sort of figure out, you know, what's the big idea at this point. Uh, I, so yeah, I, I think what we do works better and is easier when it's layered on top of a really healthy, well-branded organization where everybody knows their why. But we've definitely had a lot of experiences where you have a content strategy that's pretending to be a brand strategy. I'm assuming you will often develop a why for the moment that makes something actually work and it actually can evolve into a true why if it's built out with more legs around it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we always think about what is your editorial mission statement and, um, and it's gonna be separate from a product mission statement, but it's really at that vision and why level. And, you know, it can be a little, if I was gonna be reductive and formulaic about it, it's, you know, it's, it's what is the problem that the people you're trying to reach are experiencing today and what is the vision for what the future could be like if, you know, if they didn't have that problem, what could they do? Um, you know, what would be possible? And, and somewhere in there, you know, in that structure and in that formula is what we consider that editorial mission statement, which is a pretty good proxy for a why. Okay, so you figure out the why. You have the essence, you have the ethos, you know what's driving this organization. What then? Yeah, easy peasy, right? Okay, yeah. good, we're done. Fine, done right? <laughs> like you're ready, it's out the door, it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, honestly, at, at this point, it then becomes a question of appetite and a question of ambition. We have a strong point of view about how to do content well. And it means thinking about it as a program and not just as a bunch of assets. So if I could back that up for a second, you can make something. And I'm sure we've all had this experience where, you know, I'll just use the example of, um, and this happens, we do this sometimes, we're ghostwriting an article for the CEO of some company. And, you know, we do an interview, we're talking to the PR people, the marketing people, uh, you know, and we're in a, a Word doc and we're writing and then, you know, we give it to our client. They, they, they have some feedback, give it back to us. We do it again, right? Goes to the CEO's chief of staff. The chief of staff is like, oh, no, this isn't right. We'll do this, this, come back, revive it again. The CEO then goes in the home and spends like two hours trying to get it just right, right? We clean it up and it goes to the lawyers who look at it. And like, and if like, and if the meter was running on this article, you'd have like $100,000 worth of like premium executive time going into like getting the words of the sport doc, right? And, and it's a process that a lot of people have gone through. It happens, you know, countless times a day across multiple companies. And then like, okay, so we have this, what do we do with it? I know, let's stick it on the web, right? And, and people just, 
put it online. And that's kind of it. And, and, and what you all too often end up with is like this wall of text on, on a website, you know, that's running and running no and running one's and reading. running. No and no one's, one's reading it. Right, no. exactly. And you've spent Pay for all SEO. Of yeah. That's it. Yeah, right. Well, but the funny thing about SEO is that if you've done a good job with SEO, people will come to it. But coming to it doesn't mean you're going to read. And more often than not, like, you know, it could be the most brilliant. It could be Einstein. Like, actually, I've never read Einstein's story relatively. It could so be the next example. Topic. Yeah, best it could be the ever. Right. Best topic ever. And if all you see is this impenetrable wall of black ink on a white background, you're just not going to spend any time. You're just going to look at it and be like, eh, too hard. Back button. And, and so, what you know and, and that is and, and so for us that's asset thinking right that's that's focusing on you know and it could be a video it could be an article it could be you know whatever it is but you're thinking about you know let's make this thing and what you're not thinking about is what is the experience that someone has um when they see it when they arrive at it what you're not thinking about is how do we get people to it uh, what you're not thinking about is what do they do after they get there um, you know, what are, what are the, you know, we don't know precisely what they're going to want to do, but what are the most logical choices that we could give them? Um, you know, what do we want them to do after and all of those sorts of things? And what we see through our data is that like on average, you know, if we just were going to like sort of normalize it across all of our clients, half of people will leave a piece of content on the web, uh, you know, before they hit the 15 second mark. Mm -hmm. And, and if you have ever sat there with a stopwatch timing yourself, trying to read an article online, which as a normal sane rational person, you probably haven't, but I've done it a lot of times. Like you can't read anything in 15 seconds. You know, it's like one, two, three, the page is loading, four, five, where am I? Is this a cool place to be? Is this a bad place to be? You know, six, seven, eight, cool headline. You know, oh, there's a photo, you know? And like, maybe you can read the first sentence. So like, have, to go back to our, our fictitious CEO, $100,000 blog post, you know, half of the people are going to make their decision to to stay and read it or leave and not read it based on something other than the words that we all just labored over for weeks. Um, Blood, sweat, so, tears, yeah, gone. That totally, you can never gone. get back. You can't. You can't get them back. And so, you know, but but you know, if you if you accept that as being true, you know, it changes the way you approach content. Because all of a sudden it becomes less about, okay, how do we make this thing? How do we give birth to this CEO article? And it becomes more about what kind of experience are we creating for the people who get here? And, and how, what, are, what steps are we taking in order to make sure that they have a good experience when they get here, that they are going to engage? How do we fight for you know, better load time to get them for the first three seconds? You know, how do we make sure that the UX of our blog, whatever it is, you know, it, is, is, is inviting? Is going to not be confusing to them. Um, how do we make sure that the images are either non-existent or you know beautiful or do some sort of work to further someone in there? Um, and, and have all and text sort of and actually through. have things yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally, can. exactly. You know, and that right because because then because then because once you start thinking about what is the experience once you're here, you start thinking about okay, well, how are people getting here? You know, and then it's like, you know, is this, is this, is this something that people are going to find? Meaning, do we expect them to type something into Google and be delivered here? Or is this something that's going to find them? It's not really a problem that they know they have, but it's a big idea that might be shareable, you know? Um, okay, if we think this is shareable, how do we get people to share it, right? So, you know, it's like this giant rabbit hole where, you know, every question that you begin to ask starts to beget five more questions. Um, and, and I find it 
preposterously fun and entertaining and amusing and, and intellectually, you know, stimulating to start digging into it. But um, it can be a lot of work, you know, and, and it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, I, I kind of feel sometimes like in the world of content, you've got the red pill, blue pill to go back to the matrix, right? And if you, you know, you can just sit there and have your, you know, brain of that and just, you know, crank out your word docs and videos and put them on the web and not really worry about anything else or you know you're gonna be in the matrix you know and and you can you know begin to see the world differently and and, and then have to take a whole range of different kinds of actions it's a really good analogy Actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and then we can talk about how do you get to the point where you're dodging bullets, you know, in ah, <laughs> slow you motion, bending time, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, you is one of the approaches you take then when you've created this wicked piece of hundred thousand dollar of time content. <laughs> and, 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 and to be super clear for everyone for, listening, it's home, not cost them a hundred thousand. Right. Yeah, that's this, not that's not the fee structure. That's right. not actually the way it works. Right. That was an exaggerated example. Of course, <laughs> but not that exaggerated. But when you've done this, now I bet you're looking at ways that you can repurpose, chop it, redo it. You've created this why. You've created this message. Message. you've created these words and let's just start with like words but you can turn this into your video your social your mm -hmm. this can just be a piece of your entire structure that content is built around right yeah and in fact there's a couple of different ways to unpack what you just said there all of which we agree with you know on the on the on the economy of effort standpoint you know exactly you have to atomize things you have to package things together if you begin with a broader point of view you can design your editorial calendar or you know whatever whatever you're using to sort of control the the range of assets that you're going to make over time in such a way where you know it, it's towards a purpose you're building to something and you don't just spend you know i don't know um you know, take this podcast, for instance, right? This isn't just a conversation where you and I are going to have, let's just make it a podcast, right? But there's a transcript, you know, that that can become out of it. You know, transcripts are amazing for search, you know, um, you know, and so let's utilize it that way. You know, it can be shared out over social, you know, yeah. different parts of it can be carved off and that sort of stuff. So yes. Infographics. Video clips, you can, endless. Yeah, endless, exactly. And if you, and again, once you're thinking about a program as opposed to a digital asset, you can begin to think about, okay, well, all of, what are all of the different ways that we can hide this off or even do things that are related and you know adjacent to it. Um, the other you know, um, part of that question is sort of, I think a little bit slightly more, you know, a little bit more strategic where it happens a little bit earlier on, which is, you know, it's one of these questions that we always say, which is every piece of content has to have a job. And it has to be towards some end. And the job of each content piece content is going to be different, you know. Um, and, and and things can be do more than one job and so forth. But you know, but but the thing that we see often, and this goes back to your question before about like what do you see when you engage? Really often we're beginning to talk to people. They've done a good job of getting to that first step of like we're making stuff, you know, we're making stuff and we're publishing it. Um, but they don't really know what it's doing for them. And and, and you know, and, and and you know, and we can come in and we can do weird analytic-y things to be able to give them some insight into what it's doing for them. But affecting change means starting with like, well, what's the job of this piece of content? And sometimes it's going to be SEO, you know. Um, but thought leadership, as an example, isn't really great for SEO, 
you know, one of my colleagues likes to say, you know, SEO is really great for thought following. You know, if, if people, you know, if people have a, if people have the thought already and they want to know more about it, they'll type it into Google and it'll do great for SEO. And thought leadership can mature over time into something that plays really, really well in SEO. But when you first put it out there, it's something new and novel uh, and that's valuable, but it's not going to drive search traffic, right? So its job shouldn't be to drive search traffic. Something else's job has to be to drive search traffic, you know? Um, so, so then if it's, Thought leadership, what's its job? Okay, well, this is going to be intellectually, you know, planting a flag with a strong point of view that our company has, you know, and and then in order to get people to it, well, it's not going to accrue through search until like two years from now. So what can we do in the interim? You know, we have to have other ways to make it active. And then and then what do we want people to do after? You know, um, I'm thinking about the user journey. So that first, so that second step of maturity, you know, after just like making stuff is, you know. Can we can we define a purpose? You know, can we figure out how different content types, um, not formats, although formats are sort of like content types, but you know, how these different content types can work together? Can we design a smart editorial calendar backed up by a process that allows us to create it and harvest the most possible value out of it? Um, and then make sure that we can define what it's supposed to do. Like, how, what, what are the things that we want at a program level to achieve? What, are, what, is, what is the user journey that we think we're creating through content? You know, we're adding layers to a funnel, so we're doing something here, right? So let's try to imagine how someone moves all the way through it. Um, and then, and then, you know, and then, and then what is the, um, you know, and then, and then, and then, so what is the job of each piece? Like we put things in the right place and, you know, have them do the thing they're supposed to do. And so with all of the things that you're talking about, they've really been about brand owned content and mm -hmm. putting it out on traditional brand channels. Are there times where you're creating the content and then you're finding homes in other content to be able to really position and drive and get those eyeballs? So when your thought leader has this excellent idea, excellent video, excellent writing, mm -hmm. whatever it might be that... Google is not going to be scanning for that two-year time period, so no one's going to know about yeah. it for a little while. How do you help people leverage that and actually build some additional legs around it? Yeah, so, you know, we do have a bias towards publishing it yourself. Now, the reasons are, are, are twofold. One, um, you know, you can, you can control the experience if you control the real estate. So, you know, if you have an op-ed placed in Forbes or, or something, or if you have, uh, even if you're publishing something on Medium, you're not really in control of the ambient experience. And going back to that notion about those first 15 seconds and losing half of your audience in that time, you don't have influence over the first 15 seconds or not as much in those cases. And then also in terms of crafting and structuring a user journey, you don't have as much control over what they do next. You know, you're not, you're not necessarily putting the things in the right rail that are you know, recirculation opportunities or you know, the email newsletter sign up as an example isn't something that you have direct control over there. The other reason we like having an owned place where you can put content that you're driving people to and, and I realize this is sort of like so 1990s, but, um, but you get the data and you can have insight into the behavior of what's happening with the content. And one of the things I really believe strongly and that guides all our work is this notion of time-based engagement. So, you know, going in and it requires a little bit of tweaking to the out-of-the-box analytics in order to be able to see it. Um, but how much time do people spend with each piece of content? And for us, that 
is, you know, probably the most meaningful signal that you've created something of value for someone, you know, more so than like a, a click onto a CTA, although that's valuable too, you know? Um, so what we like to see and what we like to do is we like to be really meticulous about, you know, the metadata. It's another reason if you control the platform, you control the backend, you know, tagging metadata about things, you know what things are about and you know how much time people spend with things at an analysis level, you can begin to figure out, okay, well, you know, what ideas do, do people we're trying to reach spend the most time with? And then that can both inform your future creative work. You know, we should make more of that stuff. Um, but it can also be valuable feedback for other parts of the organization. And, uh, you know, you can, if you are in content, you can almost be the front end of, you know, behavior-based message testing and share those insights back to the other people uh, so that they know, you know, how they, how can they better communicate? How do they better craft their messages and the other kind of marketing materials that they're making? So we've got to the point. In the yeah, I didn't, ask, I didn't, I didn't ask your, I didn't answer your question though. because. <laughs> okay, that's okay. Okay. I'm going to have you answer it. But before we do, I'd yeah. love for all of our listeners who are like, what Ben's saying makes sense. This makes total sense. I would like to talk to Ben. I want to drill into this more. How can our listeners find Ben? Oh, yes. Great. Um, uh, messagelab.com is our website. Uh, I'm ben at messagelab.com. If you want to send me an email, uh, Ben Worthen on LinkedIn. All of these are great ways to, to find me. Um, so yes, thank you for the opportunity for that little plug. Of course, I'm like, yeah, we should probably let people actually know also. Uh, so even before you go in and, and drill into that more, yeah. so is one of the things that you're doing, are you looking for ways, are you encouraging companies to dig from within since you like working with own content? Are you looking mm -hmm. for ways that employees can help share that you're looking at, you know, if you're doing thought leadership and you're putting something out on the CEO or you're doing videos that you're building an actual culture inside your organization where you're developing that content and pushing it out through lots of things, including employee resources. Yes. And do you mean employees as part of the channel through which something gets out into the world? Yeah. It kind of yeah. out into the, into the world. Because I think this is something that a lot of brands haven't really wrapped their heads around on how do you bring something that actually is super powerful, your own, you know, burgeoning thought leaders that you're growing mm -hmm. within the organization. They might not be your CEO, but they certainly have knowledge and insights and they have their own followers, their influencers to their own, no matter, you know, nano as they may be, they still have impact. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think in terms of how do you get people to participate in the idea generation process and contributing towards making content, um, you know, if, if people have the inclination and time to do it, they can probably be a meaningful contributor. Uh, you know, I think we've all probably had experiences where you're, you know, pulling teeth and someone doesn't want to participate and so forth. My point of view on that one is just, just don't do it. Don't try. You're just going to, you know, frustrate yourself. The, you're going to push the boulder up the hill and it's going to come tumbling down. Um, but the other thing I think is, is really latching onto what you said here is something that I really believe strongly about is how do we turn the people in the organization into, you know, utilizers of the content that you're making? And how do we get them, especially so for us too, you know, we're trying to layer on non-sales content. You know, we're trying to create 
moments for you to have meaningful interactions with people in non-sales moments. And for salespeople in particular, usually you're kind of tunnel focused on those sales moments, but a lot of conversations you're going to have don't warrant that. You know, you can't necessarily reach out to Stacy every second day and be like, hey, Stacy, you want to buy something, you know? Um, but there could be an opportunity to reach out and say like, hey, you know, last time we talked, you said that you were, you know, um, you know, trying, you know, thinking about your dog's health, you know, here's, here's this cool thing we wrote about, you know, how do you know, you know, like cool exercise routines for dogs, you know, and it's, it's non-product based, you know, but you're creating opportunities for those salespeople to reach out and connect with the people that they're trying to interact with on a daily basis. You know, you're, you're, you're creating value in the content, not necessarily by, web-based metrics, but by building internal champions within the organizations. And, and I, I happen to believe wholeheartedly that if you can figure that out, you know, more so than any sort of web metrics that you want to champion, those having, having those people who, who have become fans and advocates for and connoisseurs of the content because it is integrated into their day-to-day -day work life and the relationships that they've built with the people who they are dependent on, I, I think that's a huge opportunity that most people don't really try to connect the dots to create. And I will tell you from an agency who does this, like we do this, we have a blog that our whole team writes for. Mm -hmm. and everyone has X number of blogs they have to write on a yearly basis. And it's just known as part of our culture. So once you get that buy-in, I will tell you back in 2012, when I started trying to do this, that was one hell of a mess of trying to get people <laughs> on board, right? But we changed our culture and we, and we, it's just part of who our ethos is as an agency. Uh, but getting them to become part of it, to share that sales, uh, you know, attempt, we're all told, you know, mm -hmm. send out touch faces to the potential contacts that you want to sell in. Instead of just sending, hey, here's an article I recently read that, you know, is cool that I thought I'd share with you. Being able to say that I'm sharing an article that our team wrote, that our CEO mm -hmm. wrote, that our founder wrote, that our so-and-so wrote, that sheds exact lights on what you need to know and that I think would just be so great for you without being like, and buy our product followed by right. that. It's yeah. so yeah. powerful and it makes friends and it's a value. And it's why people, why we have so many people who read our blog and who follow us because we've actually figured out how to do the value. And it's not overnight. Like you mentioned, you know, putting mm -hmm. something out there, it's like written words specifically. It takes years to build. Yeah. And, and, and what you're, I mean, you're kind of describing hand-to-hand -hand combat. And, and there's a degree to which it's kind of like that in the trenches and you have to, be prepared for that. Um, and yeah, like you said, those benefits are gonna accrue over time. Um, but yeah, I think I think we we believe that it's that kind of effort. And and I don't say that in a way of scaring people off from going down the path of doing content. It's just that you have to, people's attention is so hard to get. And, um, and so even if you can solve the making it, I mean, convincing your team as you were describing to like write to write is hard. You know, and even if, and even if, and even if that's not your strategy to get your team to do it, and even if you hire, you know, the trained journalists at Message Lab uh, to to come out and find stories and write those stories and tell them and publish them, it's still hard to get people's attention. You know, and so, and and you just have to be prepared to do the work to do it. It's a lot of work, but it's so powerful. I mean, I can attest mm -hmm. again as an agency, we get unbelievable inbound. 
outreach by companies all over the world because of the content we create. Not because we advertise, not because we put money in different places, but because we do videos and education and podcasts and blogs. And yes, we do it ourselves, but mm -hmm. we could certainly work with someone like Message Labs and brands out there who don't have that bandwidth and agency mindset. It's so great to be able to partner with an agency like yours to be able to bring that vision to life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, hopefully, yeah, I mean, that's a, yeah, right, exactly. You know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're great. That's what, yeah. yeah we're fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, cut. It's a wrap. No, okay. <laughs> are there any last, since we are running out of time, are yeah. there any last insights that you would like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I think I would just say that again, you know, we view this as a journey and, you know, creating the content, getting the organizational buy-in, giving it purpose is part of it. And the thing then that you can do on top of that is really around, you know, focusing that effort and optimizing it. And I think we really believe strongly in having, you know, data-based feedback, um, being able to do the hard work of connecting engagement with content, you know, at a point in time with some sort of outcome that happens later on. And, and it allows you to participate in the same kind of conversation that those, you know, colleagues of yours who are like, yeah, well, we can just put 10% off coupons into Facebook and we're going to generate a million dollars worth of revenue. You know, there you can have you can you can play that game too. You just have to kind of look at the stats, you know, the data differently. Um, but once you do, it's really powerful. Um, you know, the kind of changes you can make across an organization. And we do think it takes an organization where we sort of, you know, you begin to get into organizational culture and you get into, you know, finger quote, digital transformation, you know, at some point. But you know, how do you use these different channels? For, for engagement? How do you use analytics for engagement? How do you do, you know, A-B testing on the website for engagement and all of that? And, and, and once you begin to start going down that path, you can do a lot of optimization and we call it the editorial feedback loop. You know, you get a lot of fast feedback that can result in fast change that can lead to, you know, really fast, better results. Well, Ben, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you. You have, you share a viewpoint I have. So I always love talking with guests who like say exactly what I think in so many ways. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was really, really fun. Awesome. And then for our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Marking Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And if you're not quite ready to start going out and developing your own content or having someone else develop it for you, you know, I would highly, highly encourage you to dig in and figure out how you can leverage your brand and other people's content. So that's another way and another approach to what Hollywood Brand specializes in. And we leverage influencers and celebrities and TV and film and music to help bring more eyeballs to your brand by integrating you into their stories. So give us a call, reach out, and I look forward to chatting with you soon. Have a great day.